You're listening to a session of Come Celebrate, hosted by the Bay Christian Family Church. Well, this morning, the Lord wants me to do something specific, but it's going to take me about 30 minutes to get to that point. So I'm going to take about 30 minutes and I'm going to explain to you what the enemy's strategy is for you to stay in bondage much longer than you need to be. And then I'm going to allow you to be awoke, awakened, sorry, to what awoke. <laughs> Mama said, don't be awake, awoke. So we're not going to be awoke. We're going to be awakened. Can you say amen? So we're going to read in the book of Luke quite a bit of reading. I just want to lay the foundation and then I'm going to share a little bit on that. So Luke 22 from verse 20 in the Amplified Bible. And this is the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples. It's the moment of the Last Supper before he's about to be crucified. And in the same way, verse 20, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant ratified in my blood. But listen, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has determined. But woe, judgment is coming to that man by whom he is betrayed and handed over. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who was going to do this. That's clever. Let's find out who the one is that's going to betray Jesus. Verse 24, now a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. That's weird. We'll look at that later. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles have absolute power and lord it over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not to be this way with you. On the contrary, the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and least privileged, and the one who is the leader like the servant. For who is the greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Verse 28. You are those who have remained and have stood by me in my trials. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you the privilege. This is important. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, verse 33, and what I want to talk about this morning, Simon, Simon, Peter, listen, Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you like grain, but I've prayed especially for you, Peter, that your faith and your confidence in me may not fail, and you, once you have turned back again to me, strengthen and support your brothers in the faith, and Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will utterly deny me three times that you know me. That's the reading for today. And there's a few things that stood out for me when I had read this passage. And one of the biggest things for me is obviously Peter. Now, I read this passage and Jesus is at his last supper. He's busy hanging out with his disciples and he says to them, listen, one of you is going to betray me. And then he talks about a few other things and he encourages them. He says, all of you can be with me in my kingdom and have a place with me. And we're going to judge the tribe, the tribes. And he's giving them the prophecy of what is to come. He's prophesying their future. And in the next moment, they start arguing, well, who's going to betray Jesus? Who's the best among us? You know, I know that in church, you know, you look around, you're like, I see who's not at church. They're not a, a true believer. 
You're like, I've been here yesterday and today. I, I believe that I'm, I'm special in the house. Come on. You know how you judge yourself and you judge things on the outside. But what I love about this passage is it gets to this place where Jesus says to Peter that Satan has demanded to sift you. Demanded. He has demanded to sift him. And Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail you. He says, but when you've messed up, I don't know if you got that. When you messed up, return to me and go strengthen your brothers. Now, that little passage is so powerful because today my message is entitled, Sifted Awake. Sifted Awake. Now, I don't know if anyone here has ever gone through a sifting. Any of you ever gone through a challenging time? Any one of you ever felt like the enemy is out to get you? Maybe none of you, you're like, no, I was born and I've been floating ever since. God's for me, not against me. No, let me tell you, if you're a believer, the enemy will come and he wants to take you out. He wants to sift you. And one of the most interesting things that I saw here is that the enemy wants to sift believers that are on fire. These are the 12. This is not just your average Christian. It's one of the 12. It's Peter. It's Peter. Now, Jesus says to Peter, you're going to betray me. You know what Peter says? <laughs> no, 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 not me. I'm the Peter. I'm walk on water, Peter. Oh, come on. Come on. I, I'm the Peter. Maybe Thomas. You've heard me preach about Thomas. Come on. Like, yeah, Thomas, he's going to doubt you. He's he going to have problems. Come on. We didn't even read much about Nathaniel. Who's he? It's probably going to be him. Me and John, we cool. Come on. You know, we're we on the safe side. It's not going to be us. Not me, Lord. And Jesus said, when you mess up, just come back to me because we got work to do. This word return is the word repent. And it's so interesting to me that Jesus said, you're going to mess up. Now, I don't want to prophesy that over anyone yet, but I want you to know that if you mess up, that God is saying, come back. Don't stay away. Don't hide yourself. Jesus is praying for you and he's saying, don't let your faith fail you. Because let me tell you, the enemy will try. The enemy's been trying since COVID. He's been coming at people. He's been attacking your faith. He's making you feel that you're not good enough. And he's saying to you, you're not going to make it. Peter was shocked. Peter thought, no, not me. I'm telling you right now, if you're sitting in this room and I had to tell you, man, one of you, you're going you're gonna to get cold. You're going you're gonna to turn away from God one day. You'll be like, what? Not me. I come to prayer meetings. I pray in tongues in the car. Come on. I tell people about Jesus. I pray before I eat. You don't know what I do. <laughs> come on. Not me. Well, that's what the enemy wants you to believe. That you cannot mess up. Let me tell you that the enemy is coming after people, especially on fire, born again believers. I have seen it over the years. People that were on fire for God, the enemy comes and he wants to sift them. He wants to take them out. You might say to me, Judah, man, that's not me. Let me tell you, none of us become born again thinking that we're going to grow cold. None of us give our lives to God and there's a call where we say, come on, go and invite your friends. Write their name down on a card and you take like 30 pieces of paper. You don't put one of them on the board. Oh, now they went quiet. Like, ah, oh, you touched on that. Come on, none of us thought that would be us. None of us thought that we would be that believer. None of us thought we're going to go into business and then we are going to start doing some dodgy deals on the side. I'm going to have a kingdom business in Jesus' name. And the first offer to do something 
under the table. You're like, well, I'm going to tithe. None of us go into a marriage, into covenant, thinking you're going to betray your wife. Not that everyone does that, but none of us plan that. That's not our plan. Let me tell you, Peter's plan was not to betray Jesus. In actual fact, he said, come on, I'll die for you, Jesus. I won't betray you. I'll never, never betray you. But Satan wants to sift us as believers. I have to read this piece because it's so important. In biblical times, wheat or other grain was sifted through a large sieve, large strainer, in other words, as it was shaken violently. The dirt and other impurities that clung to the grain during the threshing process would separate from the good, unstable grain. So sift as wheat is a metaphor that could also be expressed as to shake someone apart or break a person down. Now, I don't know if anyone here has ever been shaken to the place where you feel like, I don't have anything to stand on anymore. The ground underneath me is shaking. Let me tell you, the enemy wants to try and shake you apart. Why? Because he wants to attack your faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible says that the just shall live by. So the enemy wants to attack your. But Jesus says, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith won't fail you. So let's look at this a little moment now. So Jesus says to Peter that you're going to deny me. Peter says, no, not me. And something interesting happens. Peter hangs out and he finds himself at a little campfire. At this campfire, he's minding his own business. And this little girl looks at him and says, hey, you look familiar. Aren't you one of those guys that was with that guy, Jesus? Who, me? No, 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 no. You must have me mistaken. We all look like this. Long hair, beard, sandals. You know, we all look the same. He just carries on. The girl leaves it. Another lady sitting there saying, man, I think the little girl was right. You do look familiar. You look like one of those guys that was with Jesus. No, man, it wasn't me. Turns his back. Because now someone's recognizing him. Another lady looks at him and says, let me tell you, whether you turn around, sit down or stand up, I know this face. Surely you are the guy that was with Jesus. And he says, I don't even know the man. At that moment, the cock crows. Sad part for me, so we read over that and we don't see the one part. And listen, the Bible is beautiful. You've got to read it at your own time. But the Bible says, and when that happened, Jesus turned and looked at him. Jesus turned and looked. I'm like, where was Jesus? <laughs> Am I denying Jesus in front of him? Jesus turned and looked at him. Now, I can imagine they're at the fire and Jesus might have been a little farther off, further off. And, and at that moment, as Jesus heard the cock crow and he knew that was the moment because he had said that that would be the moment. And he looked at Peter. Now, this is where everything happens for us as believers where the enemy sifts us. He sifts us for a reason for this moment. This is what he wants. He wants us to feel something when Jesus looks at us. Because once we messed up, there is something that happens when Jesus looks at us. Now, we can determine what that look means. 
Because let me tell you, when Jesus looked at Peter, I believe in my heart that Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, remember who you are. Peter, I've been praying for you. Peter, Peter, don't give up. Peter, listen, I know that you've given up. I know that, that you've betrayed me three times, but I told you this was going to happen. Peter, please, this look in my face is, come on, we said there's next, there's next. You're going to strengthen your brothers. Don't give up. Peter, Peter, don't give up. That's the look I see. But let me tell you, the enemy says to Peter, there's shame in Jesus' eyes. Shame. Shame, a word that we as Christians and South Africans use a lot. Oh, shame. A child is born and we say, oh, shame. Like, what? Like, no, not shame. Like, it's not shame. It's a beautiful thing. But we have learned that shame becomes part of how we speak. We confess shame the whole time. Oh, shame. Oh, shame. We're going to be late. Oh, shame. Don't worry. Am I the only one who hears that the whole time? That's the moment when Peter realized I did what I thought I'd never do. Not me, Peter. I don't know who's in this room and you did something you thought you would never do. You were on fire, man. God loves you. You said, God, I would never do. I'd never go back. I'd never, I'd never even think of messing up like that. I got married to stay pure. I started the business to do things right. I joined the church to be part of the church and not go jumping around, gossiping, starting to talk negatively. And in this moment, I realized this story is not just for Peter. It's for me. And if it's for me, it's for you. But you know, one thing that's really strange for me in the story, and I like to kind of delve into things because it feels like God was kind of picking on Peter, don't you think? It feels a little bit unfair. Like, because if you read in the beginning, the Bible says that Satan asked to sift all the disciples, but Peter, I prayed for you. Anyone here feels like it's always on you? So I want to show you what happened because I felt like, man, Lord, like, why is it always on me? And this thing about Peter now, this is the Last Supper. It's a beautiful moment. Jesus says, someone's going to betray me. He says, Peter, you're going to mess up, but I'm praying for you. And straight after this, something interesting happens. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, now, please, guys, pray with me so that you're not tempted. He says, I want you to pray with me. Now, I don't know how many of you know the story, but something interesting happens. They fall asleep. These believers on fire for God fall asleep. But look what happens. I've got to put this up for you in the Bible. In Matthew 22 verse 40, if you got it. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. <laughs> Couldn't you disciples just stay awake, Peter? Couldn't you Christians and pastors just do what I want you to do in South Africa and stand up for righteousness, Judah? I'm like, what? Why me? Like everyone else is also doing it. Okay, I'm just being hard on myself. Put your own name in the situation. It's like God is going at me. I read this and I'm like, what are you doing, God? All the disciples are sleeping, but you're tuning Peter. All the disciples are going to be sifted, but you're going after Peter. Sometimes when it feels like God is going at you, the Bible says that he disciplines those whom he loves. 
and he's busy trying to do something in your life. Let me tell you, I have, I have struggled with some stuff since I've gotten born again. And I've looked at myself and every time I feel like Jesus is looking at me, it's not a look of, I'm disappointed. It's not a look of, oh, Judah, I knew I shouldn't have entrusted you. <laughs> you were a wild one. I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't think like that, but once you mess up, the enemy comes and he puts shame on you. Maybe you never thought you would mess up like that, or maybe you never thought you would do that thing. Maybe you thought you would, you would never go back in the way that you did. And let me tell you, the enemy wants to come and at this moment, keep shame on you. Not put shame on you, but keep shame on you. And one of the things that I realized when I read the Bible, and this is very interesting, the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross for a few things. The few of the things that we often talk about, of course, number one, the most important is our sin because that separates us from God. Died for our sin. Also died for our healing so that you can be healed and you can live long and be strong. And he also died so that you don't have to be poor, that you can be rich. He died for those things. But there's another thing that he died for. And if you want to categorize sin and you want to categorize healing and you want to categorize prosperity, you also have to categorize he died for your sin and shame. Because you can be forgiven of your sin and die early because you are allowing shame to kill you. You can be on fire for God, have done something that you completely regret. It's not in your nature. It's something you, you, you stumbled in. And now you're at this place where the enemy wants to carry this thing over you. Let me tell you, when dad started ministering this morning and the presence of God came into this place, it was so thick. I thought to myself, so many people are still not touching heaven because of what is on them. Because of the shame. Because they feel like I'm not worthy. There's this, there's this block between them. Let me tell you, if we're going to be awake in this time and in this season, we have to realize that God still called you. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And you have to be awake at this time. To be sifted. Let me tell you, the enemy is sifting you. To make you give up. To shake you. To make you say, I am going to give up. We're not going to give up. I don't know what you've done. But let me tell you, Jesus' prayer for you is bigger than the enemy's plan. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm going I'm to unload this for you now. The Bible says that Jesus is always praying and interceding for us as believers. Jesus was praying for Peter. How much more is he praying for you and I? Let me tell you, you are going to mess up. There, I said it. I'm not a doom preacher. I'm not a prophetic guy that's going to mention stuff to hurt you. But you are going to mess up. And when you mess up, I'm asking you, please, don't give up. Don't turn away from God. Realize you messed up, but see the face that Jesus is looking at you with. It's the face of saying, you can do more. Don't give up. Come on, you've got people to reach. And I know the enemy has been attacking people in their minds. And Jesus died on the cross, not only for your sin, but for your shame. And people don't want to talk about this. Jesus prayed for your life Sorry, Jesus' prayer for your life and victory is greater than the enemy's attacks. The attacks of the enemy is overridden by the prayers of Jesus. He's always interceding for us. The enemy is sifting some of your health, sifting some of your marriages, sifting some of your businesses, your children, some of your sexuality. We can park there while some of your emotions, some of your mental health, 
sifting some old addictions you had and now it's coming back and the enemy's saying, no, you don't have to. I mean, the enemy wants you to get stuck in it, but God's saying you don't have to stay in this. Amen. Now, when I read this piece, I realized there's so much more the enemy's trying to do and God is doing so much more that we cannot see. Something I want to say to you, and I think sometimes you have to go through something to have a revelation to be able to say something. And I read in the book of Peter, 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says that the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. Now that revelation to Peter only came after he was sifted. After he was tested, he realized, man, the enemy is, he's not going to give up. He's not going to give up. He's prowling around waiting for the exact moment to jump on you. To take you out. And let me tell you, the enemy, just because you're on fire, he's not going to back off now. Especially when you're on fire, he's going to come. He's going to come. Because he wants to take you out. The enemy hates it when you are on fire for God. Let me tell you, man, when I look at these sideboards and I realize, man, there's a harvest happening on, on Thursday night. The enemy is like, yo, but you can't invite your friend because you're in so much sin yourself. If they really come here and they know you, they know you. They know the business you run. They know the way you speak to your wife. They know you. They know what you do in the background. You can't invite them to church. They're not going to come. No, no, no. God has a plan. He wants every single one of us to realize that God wants you to strengthen your brothers. So just because you've gone through something doesn't mean it disqualifies you. It actually means that it qualifies you. Let me tell you, the enemy will, will tell you in that moment when Jesus looked at Peter, that that's, that is the look of shame. It's not the look of shame. It's not the look of shame. It's the look of saying, you can do more. I haven't given up on you. Your best days are ahead. And as I was praying for this morning, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, he wants to do something in the heart of every believer that has carried shame. And we're going to do that this morning. But before we get to that moment where we pray, and we see deliverance happening, I want to explain to you how good a father Jesus is. Because Peter denies Jesus three times, dismally. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. I don't know what you've done before when you feel like it's bad. And Jesus goes to the cross. And Peter's carrying shame the whole time. He's, he's not good enough. He's not worthy. God can never use me again. I messed up. And Jesus dies. You know what Peter says? I'm going to go back to the way I used to do things. He says to the guys, let's go fishing. And remember, Jesus called Peter out of fishing. Saying, now you'll be a fisher of men. Fishers of men. He's no longer a fisher man. He said, now you'll be fishers of men. As soon as Jesus died, all that shame on him. He says to the other disciples, because he's the leader. He said, let's go fishing, guys. And John, John follows him. They all follow him. So they're there on the water, not being on fire disciples, just fishing. Not doing what God has asked them to do, not encouraging anyone. Like many of us, after we've done some things that we feel like we disappointed God, we stop truly living for Him because of the shame. You've asked God to forgive you of the sin. You're not even repeating the sin anymore. But because of the shame, the enemy says you disqualified. 
So you can't awake to anything. You can't even wake up because you're stuck. And they're busy fishing. Interesting story. There's a man on the shore. He says to these fishermen, he says, Hey guys, you guys caught anything? (laughs) Sounds familiar. They're like, not yet. Jesus is like, why don't you cast the net on the other side? You can read this all. The Bible is beautiful. And John says to Peter, the Bible says, that's Jesus. How did he know? Well, John and Peter were close to Jesus all the time. Really close. And Peter was there and he told a story when he went fishing and he had caught nothing all night. And Jesus said to him, why don't you cast your net on the other side? And that time the net broke and all the other partners had to come. But in this moment, it's just the disciples. They're not doing what God wants them to do. They're on the boat. And John says to Peter, he says, that's Jesus. And Peter's like, what? That's my Jesus. And he, the Bible says he jumps into the water with his long dress, you know. <laughs> and he starts making his way to Jesus. When he gets to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is having a lack of bride there, you know. First and subs, you know. Having a nice time there. And what happens, the Bible says that the rest of the guys come and everyone's there now. Remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. Serious. It's more serious for Peter than it was for Jesus. Remember, Jesus was always praying for him not to give up. Jesus didn't say, you know, you're not going to make it. He says, I'm praying for you not to lose faith. And Jesus is standing there on the, on the, the beach. And he says to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, okay, feed my sheep. Thought that would be it. Jesus says, Jesus says to him one more time, Peter, I just want to ask you again, do you love me? That's the way I see it, come on. Jesus, you know I love you. Okay, tend to my sheep. <laughs> Jesus. Third time, just for the fun of it. You're going to deny me three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, only you know. I love you. He says, go feed my sheep. Where Peter messed up three times. Jesus' grace is so beautiful. He gives him three times to override and forgive what he went through for himself, for himself, for himself. And he's like, man, I'm forgiven. And Jesus said, now go and feed my sheep. Go feed my sheep. Go feed my sheep. Isn't that what Jesus said originally? He says, and when you've repented, when you've turned, go and strengthen your brothers. There's work to be done. We can't just be fishers again. I don't know what you've done, how the enemy has shamed you and made you feel unworthy. And now what you keep doing is you're going back to old things. You're like, man, I've already messed up in this. Let me just carry on in this world of sin. Because I drank once that I shouldn't have drank. Now let me go and find myself down in the bottle. Well, I've messed up once in my marriage. Why don't I just carry on, carry on, carry on? 
And the look that Jesus is giving you is not a look of shame. It's a look of, come on, there's work to be done. I love you. I'm praying for you. The Bible says He's always praying, interceding for you. Too many people are carrying shame because of what you've done. And let me tell you, Jesus is not looking at your shame. He's looking at your purpose. He's looking at your potential. He's saying, go and strengthen your brothers. And if you go read this whole passage in the Bible, it's really at the end of the book of John. And you read how this comes to this moment where the guys have been fishing and now they're with Jesus. And Jesus says, now go and feed my sheep. And from there, revival broke out. And the book of Acts continues. And let me tell you, revival is ready. It's here. The question is, do we believe that God wants to use us? Or are we unqualified or disqualified because of something we've done? Or the way we think? Or God can't use me. I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. You're not perfect. You're imperfect. That's why we serve a perfect Jesus. And I don't know what it is, but I feel it so strong in my heart today that we are going to rebuke the spirit of shame in this place. We're going to tell her to leave so far from here. It's not allowed anywhere close to this place. It's not allowed in your life again. You have to allow yourself to be set free because there's work that needs to be done. The Bible actually says there's work that you ought to be doing. So if you have not yet filled in one of these, you will do it today. By faith, I put down four names on you. Why? Because I'm trusting God for people that I know that needs to come to Jesus. Come on. The enemy wants to tell you that this is the last time that you're going to be able to make it, that God's going to hate you forever. You've already messed up so much. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And to be awakened to your true purpose and to be able to move forward in what God has for you, you have to forget about the former things. Forget about the former things. Yes, you've messed up. Now be forgiven, strengthen and move on. There's work to be done. There's people that need to come into the kingdom. Come on. Don't go back into your old ways now because you've messed up. No, we don't need more fishermen. We don't need more people going, living in shame. We need people to stand up for the gospel, to stand up for who God has called you to be in your varsity. So you've messed up. You went to university and you did something you're not proud of. You used to be the good Christian, but now you feel like I can't do it because people are looking at me. Stop seeing yourself like that. Turn, repent. What does it mean to repent? Turn, go the opposite way. Don't do it anymore. I've messed up before, but let me tell you, when I realized the power of repenting and turning and God's forgiveness, I don't have to stay in shame. I don't have to stay in sin. I don't have to remain there. Only reason why I can tell you this is because I had to live this. I had to live this over and over again, continuously. And I know there's people watching me right now. And the, the, the problem is the enemy is reminding you right now of the thing you did. You're sitting here thinking, I'm not worthy because of the thing that you did. And let me tell you, that is the enemy. Some of you messed up. God has not disqualified you. You disqualify yourself by the way you start thinking now. I want everyone just for a moment to stand at their feet, please. God is in this moment here right now. Before we can move forward with our life, we have to leave some things. And shame has no right in our life moving forward. 
Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He died on the cross for your healing. He died on the cross for your prosperity. And we believe that stuff. Now we believe He died on the cross for our shame. And it's no longer our shame. I want everyone to close their eyes for a moment. As I pray, this is what I feel my assignment is for this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. I know that sometimes it feels like we are isolated, like you keep seeing us and where we've messed up. We feel that way, but it's because you believe in us so much. The potential that's on the inside of us, you haven't given up on us yet. There's so much more He wants to do in and through your life. And yes, right now, think about the thing for the very last time, the way you used to think about it, where the enemy has held you captive up until now. Maybe you've messed up. You've crossed some lines you shouldn't have crossed. You've done some things you shouldn't have done. Some things you're not proud of. Things you thought you would never do like Peter did. But God is saying, I have forgiven you. I'm praying for you. I want you to come out stronger right here, right now. Forgive yourself and go beyond forgiving yourself and say this with me. Say this right now. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, not only for my sin, but for my shame. And I no longer partake in the shameful thoughts that the enemy wants to hold over me. I am set free now in Jesus' name. Now lift both your hands to heaven and give Him a shout of praise. Come on, worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Come on, just worship Him right now. Worship Him. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, touch every single person right now. Those that are coming to you anew and afresh, strengthen them. Strengthen them. Go from this place. Go from this place and tell others, don't go back into the world. Don't go back into your old ways. Move forward. Go and strengthen your brothers. Someone's waiting for you. Someone's waiting for you to stand up in your calling, in your purpose. And let me tell you right now, the enemy is so angry. He's so angry because he sees people that are on fire. Awaken! Never to be the same again. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this session of Come Celebrate. We hope you enjoyed.